Welcome back to Hot Take Heaven. I'm Ben with Frankie here. Hello, hello. On this lovely Wednesday, now it's afternoon because it took so long to get ready. Back on this lovely Wednesday afternoon, recording another episode, Hot Take 2 for you. Um, today we're going over some of our failed hot takes from last week. We have a little bit about the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby and our boy Pete Alonzo from Queens. Uh, we've got a little bit of trading from the Blackhawks. Maybe making money moves, we'll see. We have the downfall of the Chicago Blackhawks and the end of the dynasty, which everybody in Chicago here loves so dearly. And we have... A little bit here, Frankie likes to call Screw You, Matthew Barry. we got a good show for you today. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, let's get right into Hot Take It. The All-Star Game was last night, and for the first time in years, I've been able to watch it because I'm not in camp, and I was so excited to. It really didn't disappoint me. I watched the Home Run Derby on Monday, and our boy Pete Alonso from Queens won the Derby for the New York Mets, and uh, he hit dingers, man. He went for it. Um, he beat out some guys that really are just hitting so many home runs this year and just big, big power hitters, and it's really showing. And he's kind of the hidden tiger because you've got Bellinger, who's hitting tons of home runs, and Yellett hitting tons of home runs, and Mike Trout. And those are three of the big guys you hear about. But Yeah, how about that guy, Vladdy G? Vladdy G, uh, he's just come up. So he's hitting them, but not as quite as many. Pete Alonso has 30 home runs this year. And I think he's kind of under the guys and under the umbrella of Yelich and Bellinger. But he is a fantastic ball player. He's a power hitter. He's a big boy. Um, first round, the Cleveland hometown hero, Carlos Santana went on and beat uh, Atlanta Braves sensation Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, hit 19 home runs off of him. And finally, in the final, beat our friend from Toronto, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Vladdy G. Big man. His dad won the home run derby, and this is his first one. And just, it was amazing. Um, but it was just incredible. Um, so many home runs. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., boy Vladdy G, hit more home runs in one night than the entire Tigers organization <laughs> this year. Ninety-one, or he hit ninety-one home runs on Monday night, and the Tigers, as an organization, as a whole, as a ball club, for the twenty nineteen season, have hit a total of seventy-seven. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, they were lobbed in there, like, he is, but right where he wanted it. How many he's hitting, either that or how bad the Tigers are this year, which I think is a, a decent mix of both of them. Last night was the game itself. Um, Justin Verlander for the All-Star League. Or not the All -Star, American League? The American League. There you go. They're all All-Stars. Um but you had him on the mound against our big Korean friend whose name I have Ryu. Um, I'm not even sure. Ryu's good enough. Ryu's good enough. Everybody knows Ryu. Uh, both of them pitched well. Justin Verlander's back. He missed the All-Star game four years. And since his move back to the Astros three seasons ago, 
he he's getting better as he gets older. He can still throw all of his super fast balls and a mean changeup, and the man's incredible. So he pitched really well. There's a lot of power hitting. It was closer than it has been before. Um, our fellow White Sox, Jose Abreu, and McCann, and Giolito. Giolito pitched. Um, so it's just really good to see some White Sox really tearing it up. Um, yeah, it's been a while, right? Yeah, well, they're there, <laughs> but not quite as much as they should be. But the AL won. So that means seven in a row. It's 22 out of the last 26. They're always dominant in the All-Star game, which means the AL team will have home field advantage for... Um, the World Series. Yeah, for the World Series. So we'll see what happens with that. That might be an interesting series. So we're talking about the Blackhawks now. Frankie? Thanks, Ben. Uh, as some of you Blackhawks fans may know, uh, last night uh, the uh, Finnish defenseman... Henry Yoki Haru, 19-year-old, who actually just won a gold medal with Team Finland um, this spring um, for the international tournament. He was just traded to the the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for Alex Nylander, the little brother of William Nylander, for the Chicago... for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, rather. And, you know, I always really liked William Nylander. I always thought he was a great piece for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I didn't really know much about Alex, so hopefully he'll bring a lot to the table, just like his brother brings. Um, Other news for the Hawks that we uh, failed to uh, tell you about in the last Hot take one. Uh, the Blackhawks did get back Andrew Shaw, which the Mutt is back, um, which I honestly think is a great move. He's he's not, you know, the greatest. He's a uh, second liner, third liner, but he just, he gets in your head. And when you get in someone's head and you're out there on the ice, it's just havoc. And he's very physical, very, very electric, gets the crowd going. And uh, he's just he's just a performer. He's out there doing every giving everything he's got, and uh, he's a good time to watch. Yeah, the Blackhawks also acquired um, this defenseman Ali Mata from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ali Mata is 24, I believe, and he already has a Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh. So certainly, certainly been battle tested and. Um, you know, ready for any playoff situation. Um, and as a defenseman, it'll really help out the Chicago Blackhawks, especially with, um, you know, giving up Henry Yoki Haru, uh, who I, I, th- I thought he would be uh, on the Hawks for a, a longer time. And I thought he would have been good, especially since he's so young and, he already has a lot of international experience. He just needs uh, some time in the NHL. And I don't know. I just really thought that he'd he'd uh, make an impact. But um, hopefully he does well in Buffalo. Well, the Finns are always punching way above their weight. So that's good. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit here about 
some other hot takes from last week. I got it wrong. Joey Chestnut, he did win. We got that bit right. He only ate 71 hot dogs. I said he was going to eat 80. I really thought he did. I thought he was going to. I was excited. I was ready. It was 4th of July. I'm like, this man is getting so many hot dogs. I made a bet that he was going to eat so many hot dogs that I lost. So that was fun. But, I mean, competitive eating is the most American thing I've ever seen. The man ate 71 hot dogs in 10 minutes. That is just... It's disgusting. It's disgusting, yeah. God bless America. Another failed hot take. Last week, I think... I don't know why I said this, but I think that I predicted the Blackhawks winning 60 games out of 82. That... I don't even think the Toronto Maple Leafs did that this year or the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think they won like high 50s. I don't know if they got to 60, but 60 is absolute. That's like nearly flawless hockey year, year in, year out. Um, I'm just going to change that to 48. I think that's more fair for the Blackhawks, um, especially since they missed the playoffs last season. With the pickups they got this offseason, I think they could clinch uh, for the playoffs, but I do not think that they are contenders just yet. I think they might need uh, some more acquisitions and uh, maybe some trades. Uh, a nice draft pick would be nice, but obviously with the buildup of our roster this offseason, a high, a high draft spot might not be so realistic for this season. Tampa Bay won 62 games. 62, wow, okay, yeah. And they were the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. They were upset round one by Columbus, uh, Artemi Panarin, the bread man, former Chicago Blackhawk, who is now a New York Ranger with the bank. Uh, Exceptional hockey player. Okay, so... So for the Blackhawks to jump from not making the playoffs two years in a row to Tampa Bay, 60 games. I nearly impossible. Nearly impossible. Nearly impossible, yes. The odds of that, I would have better odds of walking outside on a sunny day and being hit by lightning than that happening to the Blackhawks organization. Yeah. They're still trying to figure out they got a new coach, relatively new coach. Brand new head coach, Jeremy Colladin. I mean, they got a coach. They're revamping their roster. They got new guys. They need to figure out how to work as a team again, especially with some of these acquisitions this offseason. So. You say, what do you say, 48? I say 48 is safe, yeah. I give them... That might be a stretch, but I think they, with the defensemen that they've picked up this offseason, I think that they could do it. I'm just going to make a prediction here. Here's a hot take for you. The Hawks are going to win 40 or more games, but they will end above 500. At least 40. At least 40. Well... Let's, let's just see what happens. And our next our next segment on Hot Take Heaven is a little segment that I put together called The Rise and Downfall of the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, anybody who's like a semi-Hawks fan, like they're doing good, it's playoff time, turn on the TV, but isn't too sure about how the Blackhawks got good and how they're slumping, this is a segment for you. So I'm just going to start with uh, the captain of the ship, 
Joel Quinville, who was signed by the Blackhawks October 16th, 2008. Um, Joel Quinville, three cups over his uh, his long term with the Chicago Blackhawks. Dynasty. He he was the captain in, and um, he led the team to victory. Obviously, multiple playoff appearances, and um, just did everything he had to do as a coach. I'm going to jump to 2009. Uh, Marion Hosa signed with the Blackhawks after losing in the Stanley Cup Final with Pittsburgh and Detroit, um, which was you know. Just bad luck for Marion Hosa. He was a, a great player. And um, it was actually interesting because uh, in the offseason before 2009, I think it was Detroit, they offered him uh, a pretty nice contract. And the Blackhawks, they had a counter offer, but it didn't match the price. And um, luckily for, you know, Big Haas, he, uh, he took less money to play with the Chicago Blackhawks um, under Joel Quinville, and he really lucked out. Three Stanley Cups, and um, you know, a fan favorite. Everybody really liked him, and he was very efficient. Did all the little things well, and um, yeah. So his legacy sits with the Chicago, the excuse me, with the Chicago Blackhawks, and um, yeah. So. that many people were in uh, I had an inflatable Stanley Cup and he looked and he pointed at me and he went like this and gave me a thumbs up oh nice and pointed at me and that's awesome a thumbs up so I had the validation of Marion Hosa acknowledged my existence for <laughs> <laughs> very nice um I'm actually going to rewind a little bit to um what I think is one of the best um moves for the Hawks when they drafted their defensive core uh, 2002, Duncan Keith was drafted. A year later, 2003, Brent Seabrook was drafted. And 2005, Nicholas Jalmerson was drafted. These three defensemen played serious minutes. They did everything right. They were fan favorites. They earned all their ice time. And uh, they were very productive. They did their job. And um, they were huge contributors to the success of the team throughout the dynasty that was built. In 2010, the Blackhawks won their first Stanley Cup in, I want to say, it was, just it was 39 years. 49, that's right. 49, I suck at math. 49 years, they won their first Stanley Cup in 49 years, 2010. Then in 2013, the Blackhawks won their second Stanley Cup. This Stanley Cup was a little bit um, of a bigger deal because they already had the spotlight on them from 2010. And um, the fan base was there, obviously, because of that. Because, you know, bandwagon, it's sports. What are you going to do? All of Chicago got on for that one. Um, I just remember watching it. There were numerous... Uh, multi-period overtimes. We were going in like double, triple overtime, nearly uh, six periods of hockey. Hockey has three periods in a in a regular, uh, reg- regulation rather. And um, so you get into f- 
five periods, six periods. That's like playing two games at full speed. Um, so it was very exciting. And it was game six, Boston Garden, third period, late. Dave Boland scored uh, the second goal in 17 seconds. Uh, 17 seconds apart, two goals in the third period, the winning stages of the third period, game six in the Boston Garden. Uh, it was Brian Bickle who scored the first one, Dave Boland who scored the second one. Dave Boland, his contract expired and he finally retired. He got older and uh, hung up the skates. Uh, fast forward to 2015. The Blackhawks won their third Stanley Cup within six years. Um, this is when everybody was talking about the dynasty, um, how productive Joel Quinville was, how great of a team we had. And it was right here where the Blackhawks started to decline. Yes, we won the Stanley Cup. Yes, we had a great team. Everybody was great chemistry-wise in the locker room. But this is where we were starting to hurt because these two guys, Jonathan Taves, our captain, and Patrick Kane, uh, they were both ready for a new contract. And with the production that they had and the youth that they carried, they were in for a pretty big ticket. And that's exactly what they got. It was a $10.5 million annual salary through, I believe, 10 years, um, which is a huge ticket because in the NHL, they, the NHL has a very strict salary cap. Um, and for those of you who don't know what a salary cap is, it is a limit of money that you can pay your players. So let's just say the Chicago Blackhawks and every other team have a salary cap of, let's just say, $32 million. If Taves and Kane both have $10.5 million, that's like two-thirds of your entire salary cap. And Sure. So, you know, this little thing called the salary cap really hurt the Chicago Blackhawks because other players like Keith, Seabrook, even Crawford, um, Corey Crawford, they all deserved a huge contract and they couldn't really get it. And with other key guys like Brandon Saad and Artemi Panarin, who came in a little bit later, we couldn't really afford them and we had to get rid of them, which really, uh, it really hurt the Chicago Blackhawks. So the Hawks, at least in 2019, their salary cap was $80 million for $80,463,461, which seems oddly specific, but figure two guys are taking up a fourth of this entire salary cap for a team of how many people are on a hockey team? Well, there's, uh, let's see, there's 12 forwards, six defensemen, and two goalies. So, 20. yeah. For 20, I think it said 21 signed players. Two guys are taking up a fourth of that. So, that's a problem. Yeah. Huge deal. And because of that, uh, the Blackhawks were forced to give up Brandon Saad, Johnny Oduya, Patrick Sharp. Johnny Oduya, yeah, one of the... Is he still playing in Dallas? No, he's retired, I, I believe. Um, which wouldn't really matter for the Blackhawks right now, but back then it did when they were really good. In 2017, the Blackhawks had to trade young 
Tevu Teravainen, Andrew Shaw, and Brian Bickle to free more cap space, and losing all of those players hurt them as well. The Blackhawks would later go on to cut Nicholas Jalmerson and trade Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad, and this would seem to be the final blow to the dynasty, although there is a little bit more. In 2018, the Blackhawks had trouble due to losing Marion Hossa because of his uh, allergic reaction to his equipment. And um, very strange, not too common. Um, in 2018, um, the Blackhawks did trade Marion Hossa. And the last reason why the Chicago Blackhawks declined was their struggle with age. Obviously, age catches up to everybody. And, um, you know, playing in all the playoff games and the dynasty, all that, it just catches up to you. Uh, if you look at it this way, all-star defenseman Duncan Keith, he's 36 now, 36 years old. Brent Seabrook, 34. Jonathan Taves, 31, and Patrick Kane's 30. Those guys I'm not really too upset about. They both had outstanding seasons. They're still red hot. Yeah, he's still firing at all cylinders. and. Corey Crawford's 34 now, so he's getting up there too. But um, yeah, so these five guys have been around the longest and have been the core of the Chicago Blackhawks for years and years now. Uh, they've played in dozens and dozens, of, dozens and dozens of playoff games. And when you mix the speed and physicality of hockey, especially at the NHL level, the body really takes a pretty serious toll on how hard it works. Um, as I mentioned in the first episode of Hot Take Heaven, you're when you're on the ice, it's pretty much just a full sprint. It's all power, all speed, and quickness, and grit. And the fastest and strongest are the winners. So as you're aging, it it just really takes a toll on you. Uh, many fans really complain about Keith and Seabrook slowing down. You know, they you know say you know you haven't skated how you used to in the past. For those fans, you have to remember that, yes, Keith is 36, and yes, Seabrook is 34, but as a defenseman who's played in, you know, 126 playoff games during uh, several multiple overtime games, that catches up to you. 126 extra games is actually equivalent to a year and a half of hockey. An extra season and a half. Duncan Keith has played 14 seasons in the NHL. And technically, with the amount of playoff games, he's played in 15 and a half. And it's expected he doesn't skate like he used to. It's expected that he's slowing down, you know? I mean, he's still a great defensive, great defensive player. He's just not dangling on him like he used to. Right. He knows where to be. He knows what to do. But he's just slowing down because of his age. And because hockey is a game of you know, toughness and playing through injuries, through thick and thin, through dynasties and through downfalls. Duncan Keith has definitely done his fair share of service with the Chicago Blackhawks. And same goes for Brent Seabrook. He's played the same amount of years as Keith, and he's played in three less Stanley Cup playoff games, which is, you know, not too much. But, you know, you got to credit him with as many playoff games as he can. Uh, but you guys get my point. At this point, the Chicago Blackhawks general manager, Stan Bowman, who is not a fan favorite due to uh, several moves, 
he he thought it'd be best to get rid of the old and in with the new. So he fired fan favorite and extremely productive Joel Quinville, who was fired last season, and Jeremy Colladin from the Rockford Ice Hogs minor league affiliate was hired in his place. And I got to be honest, for a first year head coach who picked things up on the fly, I think he did okay. The team came within like 10 points of a playoff spot and made some pretty se- made some pretty uh, effective lines. I thought Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strom played great together. Jonathan Taves had a great bounce back season. Patrick Kane had another lights out season with another 20 point uh, point streak. And with a few offseason moves the Blackhawks have made, like getting Andrew Shaw back, getting Ali Mata from Pittsburgh, getting Robin Leonard, from the Islanders, Calvin DeHaan from Carolina, and even this guy, uh, Ryan Carpenter from Las Vegas. I do think, I'll take here, I do think that the Chicago Blackhawks will make the playoffs for the 2019-2020 season, but I do not think that they are competitors just yet for the Stanley Cup. Um, I think they have a shot at the playoffs, but just because, you know, everybody's, you know, we're in that newer stage again, I do think that... Um, it's another build. Right. We're just building the foundation. So just sit tight, Blackhawks fans. We'll hopefully be back in it soon. But for now, just stick with it. Okay, so we have a little bit more to talk about some hot takes. Um, Lucas Giolito is the first pitcher in the MLB to win 11 games this season. Man throws lights out. He was the pitcher of the or the AL player pitcher, one of the two of the month for the month of May. And I mean, the Sox having a real pitcher for the first time in a long time as a Sox fan is the most exciting thing ever because that's always been the horrible thing about the White Sox. Their offense goes. Hey man, you gave up Chris Sale, man. You did give up Chris Sale. Chris Sale, please come back. Gave him up. Um, but to have a good pitcher, just even just one good pitcher in the lineup, the bullpen still sucks. They need to fire Don Cooper. Hot take. Chicago White Sox, fire Don Cooper and Rick Renteria right now, and you'll already have a better season. Oh, my gosh. Don Cooper has to go. The pitching, until Giolito, gets worse every year. And you got to figure that he's a big part of that. Because you got guys that come in who are studs other places, suck for the White Sox, leave, and are studs again. Very frustrating. Um, but a good pitcher in the lineup is amazing. Hot take here. Lucas Giolito is going to win 17 games this season. 17? 17, if not more than 17. That. He will win 17 games this season. That's a hot take. I mean, he's at 11 already, and it's like the halfway point of the season. So. Well, he's on pace. He's on pace. Josh Bell from Pittsburgh is on pace to hit hundred, almost 170 RBI. So wow. let's see which one is which one is better. Um, just baseball is super exciting this year. It's it's great. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good time. Okay. Else? Well, thank you for that. I'm just gonna move along to our uh, little Chicago Bears update. I pulled up the schedule for the Bears. It goes. Packers, Broncos, Redskins, Vikings, Raiders. We finally get a bye week six. Then Chargers, Eagles, Lions, 
Rams, Giants, Lions, Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, and Vikings. So obviously, this year we are facing a lot more adversity, a lot more challenge, and let's face it, the Chicago Bears are a primetime team again. They're back, you know, monster defense. We're figuring out the offense with Coach Matt Nagy, and uh, things are looking up. Things are looking up. I went down the the schedule, and I think they're going to win 13 games. I know I'm a biased Bears fan, but I think they're going to win uh, 13 games. I think they're going to beat Green Bay twice. They're going to beat uh, Minnesota twice and, you know, Detroit twice. I think they can beat Denver Broncos, uh, the Redskins, the Raiders, no problem. We don't need to worry about the Patriots this year because the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl. Everybody before the bye should be no problem. I do think that the Saints are going to win Week 7 just because the Bears were a little bit shaky right after the bye last year, and especially against the Saints. Um, I th- I don't know if they'll be able to do it against Breeze. And, uh, what about the Rams? The Rams, we play the Rams three weeks later, and I do think that we will beat the Rams. I think we're going to lose to the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Other than that, I do think that the Bears will win out the season. I am a biased Bears fan, but what are you going to do? I think Trubisky is going to have a great season. I think the defense is going to be a great season. As long as we can be healthy, it'll be all good. Well, I think that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. We got a little bit shorter episode this week, but this has been Hot Take 2. We'll be back in two weeks because I'll be out of town next week. So for our loyal four fans so far, (laughs) goodbye.